Get ready for a journey into the heart of Bridgeport politics with In Absentia, a new podcast from Connecticut Public's investigative team, The Accountability Project. Learn about the city's past and present political dysfunction and the systems that enable it. Tune in wherever you get your podcasts. Funding provided by Joe Zimmel and Valerie Friedman. Welcome to Seasoned. I'm Marisol Castro. <laughs> and I'm Chef Plum. <laughs> Chef, why are you laughing? We haven't even started for real. Because every time I see your face, it makes me smile, and I'm happy to see you in person and not be talking through a camera and, you know. That's actually very true. Thank nice. you so much for listening to our... Actually, it's not the last Thursday of the month because no. the last Thursday of the month is a special occasion, which is why we're doing it the third Thursday of the month. Absolutely. And it's one of my favorite holidays, nope, believe it or not. Nope, it's my favorite holiday. Is it? Yes. Well, I like it too. We can okay. both have favorites. We can share. It's Turkey Day. I mean, what's not to love? Well, I mean, I love pie. I love side dishes. I, I love, love mashed potatoes. I love turkey. I love turkey. Gravy. I mean, what's not to love about gravy? Honestly, there's nothing in the world not to love about gravy. I yeah. think it's fantastic. It's my favorite holiday. It's my favorite holiday, too. And we know things are different this year. So our Thanksgiving, alas, is going to look different. A little bit. You know, I mean, I think people are still going to celebrate, but in their own special ways. Whether like it's that. through Zoom, whether it's through phone calls. Nonetheless, mine's going to be through my stomach. Wow. Was that weird? I have a visual of that now. Well, that's not what I meant. Like, I'm going to eat. I can't and... unring that bell. Nope. Oh, the damage has been done. Sorry. Tell our listeners what they can look forward to today yeah. on the show. Wow. I really, really set myself up there. <laughs> All right, friends. Listen, today we got a great show. We're going to do a turkey and Thanksgiving Day 911. I've got my friend. Uh, he is the chef at American Bounty Restaurant at the Culinary Institute of America, which I'm an alumni of, actually. Woo-hoo. Um, he basically teaches American food. It's kind of like a class reunion. Uh, this hour, Chef Brian Kaywork is going to join us. He's an amazing guy. I can't wait to talk to him a little bit. I love that. And you know the only way I can deal with um, my family on any holiday? Uh, Copious amounts of wine. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. They know this, though. It's, it's, it's fine. So they, it's the wine and the food for you? Well, it's the wine and the food. So friend of the show, G. Patel. Ah. Master sommelier. Good brother. Love him very, very much. You introduced me to him, so now he's my friend. He, well, we can share friends. We can share favorite Thank holidays. You. I love everything. it. We share a lot. He's going to be on standby answering some wine questions, right. telling us which wines to pair. We actually have some bottles in the studio. Yeah, and I can't wait to taste those and talk to G about them. Mm. And here's the best part about all of this. Please. We're sharing holidays. Mm-hmm. We're sharing our friends. Yep. We're also going to share this show and our friends with everybody else. Because you can call in today at one 720 or 888-720-WNPR. And ask questions. We have experts here to answer your questions or maybe just want to tell us about how great your cranberry sauce is or how great your andouille stuffing is because mine's pretty good. Do you make an andouille stuffing? I do. I make three different types of stuff. Is it stuffing or dressing? Uh, Where I come from, I call it dressing. but uh, Where I come from? I call it dressing, ah, but well, I don't think every other person in the Bronx calls it dressing, No, but I, I call it dressing. Three different stuffings that I make. I make a fantastic andouille sausage stuffing, a herb and... Uh, Grand Marnier stuffing with mm-hmm. a little bit of citrus, and I also make a fantastic like um, stuffing using crab and using a little bit of seafood in there as well. Dressing done three ways. Yeah, I, I like it. I, do we have Brian? Let's see, Chef, are you line? with us? I think I am. There Hooray! he is, Chef. Welcome Yay. to Season. We're excited to have you here with. Quick question right off the bat, Chef: Dressing or stuffing? It's it's it's, it's stuffing in my house, but it's completely illogical. 
Because <laughs> <laughs> we don't stuff the birds. It's, right. So it should be dressing, really. I thought that was like the delineation. If you insert it into the fowl, it is stuffing. If it exists outside of the fowl, it is dressing. That's what I always thought, too. But yeah. growing up, they would make it and leave it outside and still call it stuffing sometimes. But my, on my dad's side, my mom's side would always call it dressing. Interesting. I don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm immediately calling out my family, and I, it only took about five seconds. So, <laughs> um, yes, I, I think that dressing would be uh, would be accurate. It makes the most sense. And guys, everyone who's listening, I want to hear all about your Turkey Day questions, your Thanksgiving questions, or maybe call in and brag. We have a great expert here, Chef Brian Kaywork. He is the chef instructor of the American Bounty Restaurant at the Culinary Institute of America. Our number is 888-720-9677 or 888-720-WNPR. Before we get started, Mary, I just want to mm-hmm. point out Please. that I always say the Culinary Institute of yes, America. like the Ohio exactly. State. Exactly. <laughs> it's how I always do it. <laughs> I'm proud of it, Chef. I can't help it. Aren't you? Yeah, I'm a proud alum. Absolutely. Chef, you teach at American Bounty Restaurant, and one of the things I thought was so impressive about the restaurants at CIA, which there's several, is that the amount of change that happens every two weeks or when we were there seven days and w- with the students. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, simply put, this restaurant that's open to the public on, on, under normal circumstances uh, changes its staffing every three weeks because it's a class for the students. So the, the service staff is taking a class on service and then the kitchen class is taking a, a class on operations as well as cooking techniques. So every three weeks, it's a big task. And these restaurants are Zagat rated, my mm-hmm. That's the craziest part about the whole thing. Like they maintain a massive, like high rating with the staff changing that much. I love this. It's kind of crazy, right? Chef. Yeah, you really have to, I mean, the, the students are, are well-trained. This is the end of their curriculum. It's kind of like, it's a very pivotal moment for them because they know that the end is near and they get to connect all the dots of their learned lessons. But, you know, you really do need to have precision, you know, so they get to see what it takes to make that happen. And so it's, it's a big impression that's left on them. I would imagine so, because that is bona fide, hands-on, practical learning, right? It's not like I waitress. Yes. I didn't learn how to be a waitress until my first night. You know, I didn't. And I really didn't feel like I was a waitress until I got fired from my first restaurant. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, it's one of those things that I think is, is so incredibly useful to actually work in a living, breathing restaurant. You go to work every day. Right. Right. Yeah, it is. It's good. You know, and, the, and there's a lot of like kind of soft skills that they say, you know, team building, being collaborative, you know, the preparation it takes, being flexible. You know, there's a lot that goes into a successful start of, you know, getting into a new environment mm-hmm. and then and then keeping it up, you know, living up to the high standards. Right. Yeah. They, they, I admire them. It's, it's a, it was tough when I was a student and it's, you know, it still is tough. Well, Chef, you know, I want to talk about American food, but nothing's more American to me than turkey on Thanksgiving. And people, I, I think they get a little worked up about it, Chef. Like, it's, it's, if you can roast a chicken, you can roast a turkey. Don't you agree? Yeah, I completely agree. Yep. There's just a, I think there's a heightened expectation because there's, there's all eyes are on you at the dinner table. It's you know, not so casual when you're just roasting a chicken. Right. <laughs> That's true, I guess. And you guys, if you want to get some turkey tips or some uh, questions answered from an expert here, uh, you can give us a call at 888-720-9677 or 888-720-WNPR. Chef, for you on Thanksgiving, what's your you know method of preparation? What do you like? 
Uh, well, are we talking turkey here? Or are we talking the whole meal? We're talking. We're talking just turkey. Let's I think. Just talk so. turkey, turkey right now. All right. I do prefer brining the turkey. Um, that generally is because, for me, I live in an area that has a lot of small farms, including poultry farms. So I am able to get my turkey from the farm, and that's not implying that that you know they're dry turkeys if you cook them. It's just these are happy turkeys. They're moving around, and they're going to be just a little leaner than than maybe some of the store-bought ones. And brining works really well with the turkeys I buy. So I do a two-day brine, a one-day drying in in my refrigerator, and moving on to roasting it. And I have to admit that I've tried, I like trying a lot of different ways. I, I experiment on my family, you know, and they just got to, they got to put up with, with it. Successes and they have to, and they have to deal with, you know, when it's not so glamorous. But um, I go back and forth between uh, a very high oven heat of maybe over 400 to kind of initiate the cooking process and then slow it down. Uh, or just if I, if I'm kind of dealing with the economics of my, of my meal, maybe I have the opportunity to do like a long, slow, drawn out process where I'll go a slow oven, slow oven temp, but maybe 320 or so. Yeah. You know, I think a lot of people these days, Minus, I'll talk a lot about brining turkeys, mm-hmm. you know, and we all kind of understand the process of it. But chef, can you tell us like from the, you know, Culinary Institute of America instructor point of view, what happens when you brine a turkey? Okay, yeah, so first off, the goal of brining is to increase uh, water content in the flesh and also uh, impart some flavor. And you roughly are going to increase the water content by about 10% when you brine. And that could be very helpful. I mean, that really implies that when you finish cooking the turkey, uh, you will, it will be a moisture product, which is, which is really great. You are making a brine solution from a lot, there's a lot of, uh, variances to it, but the real kind of distilled idea is that you have water, salt, and sugar. And all is in different ratios. Uh, I would say that it's roughly one gallon of water to one cup of salt, one cup of sugar, but you can play with the quantities by a quarter a cup or half a cup, depending on how long you want to brine it and all that. Um, and also what type of sugar. If you want honey, maple syrup, brown sugar, sorghum, you know, you can really go with any sweetener you want. And what it does is create a modern uh, environment where the moisture is drawn out first from the flesh, and then it is actually forced back in, right? Yeah, and it goes back in, and and you would think, well, how's that happening? It's, it's science, baby. You know, it's just happening. Um, you turn your turkey into a sponge, essentially. You turn your turkey into a sponge, and what? So what ends up happening is the kind of unseasoned liquid, so to speak, that's in the flesh, is kind of taken out and then put back in with this kind of highly seasoned um, moisture, moist um, end result, which is great. And uh, you can throw lots of herbs in there and aromatics in there to add lots of flavors as well. However, I would recommend when you're you talking to right. your, you got it right. when you're talking to your family, don't use the term "putting moisture into the flesh." They don't like. <laughs> they that. won't like no, it so yeah, much. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you asked me. You know, you, you have me put my you know academic kind of yeah hat on there. So that's that's kind of our. You know, sometimes at school we speak and think about things in kind of elemental form because it helps you interpret the food you're working with. 
And um, that way, you know, for instance, when we speak about it like that, and you can kind of work with, with a lot of different types of proteins if you look at it like that. Um, and so, yeah, if you, you caught me kind of speaking a little elementally on that. Sorry. Don't want to gross anyone out. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> Chef, so check it out. We're going to take a little break right here and, you know, kind of get situated. We want to make sure we got our connection with you, rock and roll, so we can hear you better because we're getting some real gold out of there. And we want to hear from all you guys out there. You can give us a call at 888-720-9677 or 888-720-WNPR. Tell us about your turkey tips. How do you keep your turkey moister? Put moisture into the flesh? Mm-hmm. Might have I don't know. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You're checking out Season. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Seasoned. I'm Marisol Castro. And I'm Chef Plum. We are doing the live call-in show, Live in the Flesh. If you have not (laughs) listened to the show yet, listen, because you'll understand what that means. Give us a call. We have some experts with us telling us all the things we need to know about turkey. The number is 888-720-9677 or 888-720-WNPR. Ask us anything. How much time do I leave the bird in the oven? Where should I get said bird? What about sides? Wines. Oh, we're going to get to wines for sure in a it's little bit. It's a whole bit. situation. Right now, uh, our guest joining us on the program, he is the instructor at American Bounty Restaurant at the Culinary Institute of America, Chef Brian Kaywork. Chef, i got to tell you, man, um, I think that brining is a foolproof way to make that turkey taste delicious, but you can also dry brine it. True. <laughs> <laughs> Have you uh, ever tried doing that as opposed to the wet brine or no? It doesn't sound like he likes it. Yeah. <laughs> I just like, want to make sure. Can you hear me okay? Oh, yeah. Yes. Much better. Great, great. Have I done dry rub? I, I would, truth be told, no. All right, well. All right, well, there you go. On to the next but, one. But it, but it doesn't mean, you know, if we want to speak about it, we can we can open that book up a little bit. You know, I tend to, I enjoy dry brining because I like to deep fry my turkey because, you know, that's how, I main, well, that's how I maintain my Adonis-like figure. Uh, and I tend to dry brine it because you don't want to have it that wet when you're going to drop it into a fryer. But, uh, yeah, I want to take a call really quick. Is that okay? Uh, chef, how do you feel about a call? You good? 100% good. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's go to Chris right now. He's driving. Chris, welcome to season. How are you? What you got? Chris, are you with us? Chris is not with us anymore. I guess we lost him. Oh, Chris. Ah, oh, Chris. Maybe what I'll call do? back. You know what? He was driving, so that was probably the problem. Mm. Uh, so, Chef. You know, I'm, I'm glad you brought up the frying. I'd like to hear your experience with it. I've, yeah. I haven't done that before. Frying turkey is one of my favorite. Once you do it once, you'll never go back to doing it a different way. It's the best way to do it. The most important thing I can tell you, though, is always measure the volume of liquid you need to you know cook your turkey and your fry oil before you cook it oh right and so i like to use water displacement i'll take my turkey put it in the pot uh, i'll fill it up with water until like i'll put the turkey in the pot fill it up with water till the water just covers the turkey then pull your turkey out and mark on the pot where that water level is because that is how much oil needs to be in the pot uh, too many That's people. A great tip. Too yeah. many people make so many mistakes. There's a lot of great videos on YouTube. I'm sorry, I didn't mean great. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> by and by great, you mean disastrous. Well, it's a fire trucks and it's pretty exciting. But uh, yeah, so it, it's one of those things, man. You just gotta be super safe about it when you're doing it, and it tastes delicious. And once you do it once, chef, it's unbelievable. I'm mean, I tell you what, I cook mine to about 160, chef, and that's when I pull it out, uh, let it rest to hit that 165 mark with that carryover cooking, and that's how you get that beautiful flavor. Yeah, and I would say don't cook it on your wood deck oven, too. Or uh, yeah. Wood yeah, deck, that right? would be terrible. That's a terrible idea. That's a terrible idea. I, got, I think I got Chris back now. Let's go okay. to Chris here driving. Uh, Chris, welcome to Season. How are you? What you got for us? I'm a chef and a graduate of CIA as well. Hey. Uh, it's a great institution. Hey. hey. Uh, 
uh, definitely a, a source of pride. But uh, many years ago, I ended up uh, doing my best to develop the best turkey recipe by cooking, um, I don't know, maybe a dozen different turkeys. And oddly enough, the one that came out the best was using 50% miso and 50% butter. Miso. Interesting. And I put it between the, I put it between the skin and the protein, and I let it sit overnight. And so it had that aspect of being brined, but not three days. Mm. And the gravy, if you want good gravy, if you're like a gravy addict, this is the solution. Wow. It is ridiculously delicious. Every year I start getting calls between now and Christmas. What do I do for a prime rib? What do I do for uh, my turkey? Whatever they're doing. And if you use fermentation, what people talk about, what is craveable, it's fermentation. This miso is ridiculous. Wow. So I just thought I I would share that because I feel it is that good. And I will stand up, sit down, and just forever preach that this is the best turkey we're going to have. Wow. Chris is on fire here. Chris, thanks very much. We appreciate that tip. And it might be something I actually try here in the future. Uh, chef, miso on the turkey makes a lot of sense uh, because it's it's very salty. Makes a lot of sense. It's, it's yeah. very salty, you know? Yeah, it's very salty, but you get this big umami blast, too. I yeah. mean, the glutamate kind of experience that you get from having a miso, having miso with, with food is a really excellent idea. Man, I, I love that idea. And I want to hear your great ideas, too. Montessal and I are trying to plan our mm-hmm. dinner. You can give us a call, 888-720-9677. That's 888-720-WNPR. And let us know what you think about your turkeys or your turkey tips or your side dishes. And that's kind of where I was thinking about going with this next, you guys, side dishes. Yes, please. Take uh, it away. Well, Marissa, I want to know what like your side dishes. What's your go-to side dish? Um, well, you know, I have this uh, – uh, my my family's – it's not my family. It's, it's a little complicated. Okay. My children's <laughs> dad's family, right? Okay. They make a carrot souffle. It's incredibly oh. white. I come from a brown family. Okay. Carrot souffle. You show up with carrot souffle. They're like, what is this? Uh, but it's delicious. <laughs> Carrots already inherently have sugar, and then you add more sugar. It's become a hit is all I can say. Sounds amazing. I do the dressing. I do it with some sausage. Yeah. Uh, my sister's very extra. She makes a sweet potato gnocchi. Wow. Which is like a belly bum, if you ask me. Yeah. Like a gnocchi on top of everything else you're going to have. If you're gonna do bit... it. You might as well do it up, though, right? I mean, I guess, I guess. Wow. Right? right. What about Chef? What? What is uh, Chef Brian? What are your What are your go to sides? Yeah. First off, I think you bring up a great point because you want to have all these sides on the table, but you get like into that meal and you realize, okay, I've committed to something here. Like, yeah. there's a lot of food <laughs> on the table. Yeah. Over the years, we've streamlined a little bit at home. Um, sometimes we're cooking for for just three and other times we're entertaining and we have a lot more people there, but I've opted for kind of quality over quantity. Mm-hmm. I love, so we'll, but we will do a couple different versions of uh, dressing. Although I have to admit, we do call it stuffing. I'm, 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 oh, I will have to we translate that this. for my wife. <laughs> I, I wanted to say stuffing again. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. Oh my God. Um, anyway, we do a couple of different versions of that. And then honestly, I don't repeat too often. Sometimes we have the roasted Brussels sprouts with apples and it's been deglazed with like cavados and has pecans in it. Sometimes it's spaghetti squash. 
we, we pretty much always regularly have, I have a 10 year old, so having, having potato puree or mashed potatoes, yeah. it's pretty much yeah. needs to be there, yeah. but we've done potato gratin too, or scalloped potatoes as people know it. It bounces around, you know, it's a, a lot of variety for us. So that's uh, maybe the ADD chef in me that just kind of <laughs> wants to play all the time, you know? Well, I want, you know, Thanksgiving what? is kind of the, the chef's holiday, you right. know, so you yeah. get a chance to cook. I, I honestly, the truth is um, in restaurants, we do a thing called family meal. And I'm, I'm sure you probably have discussed it in, on, on previous um, shows for you. But basically, this is a time where the staff of the restaurant cooks for themselves and has a bite to eat as a group many times distance these days but still mm -hmm. and you know you're cooking something that's soulful and kind of casual and and not too demanding but it but it hits the spot right honestly many times thanksgiving it feels like that for me if you've cooked enough and in our household i do quite a bit of cooking so you know it's just another day and, it, and we like to have a little bit of fun with it and it's more the meaning of the day for us than it is the the showcase of food yeah, no, I, I, I have this So discussion. having a glass of wine early and being able to prep without pressure and put some music on and trying to, you know, experience the day for what it is, is what, it, you know, what it's turned into for us. Well, Chef, do you think a lot of these side dishes that we talk about so often, you know, the staples, the mashed potatoes, the, the mac and cheese, the sweet potato gnocchi, can we make those ahead of time or do you ever make any of those things mm -hmm. ahead of time? Yeah, I think it's a good question. I mean, I mentioned it before. You, you basically have oven economy and stove economy that you have to figure out. I like that. So you, mm. you oven do economy. want to try. That's good. That's a good term. Sorry. You do. You have to. You, you, if, you, if you're committing to uh, dishes that are going to require, for instance, a lot of heating at the last moment, you just got to consider that. So mashed potatoes work great and gratins work great and casseroles work great because they can hold their heat really well. So you can cook them and wrap them up and, and keep them in a warm space. And, it's, you know, it's kind of like passively ready. And then you can create some space for yourself to do that, you know, the action kind of dishes like roasting Brussels sprouts or green beans or, or something like that. Because that's also half the battle. So I think yeah. it, you have to just select well. Well, and then also figure out the timing, which for me, I'm the home cook. Yeah. Figuring out, okay, I got to make sure all this comes out and it's all the right temperature, which is what delineates the real chefs from the fake chefs. You know, I tell people, uh, home cooks especially all the time, to try to get away from times and try to think in a temperature mindset. You know, don't think about how long it takes to cook the turkey. Think about getting that turkey to 160 degrees. That's when and it's then, done. Yeah. That way you know everything is hot and ready to go. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I mean, you can ha you technically could have the – first off, you, you – we have to acknowledge, and, I, and I'm, I'm sure you have, that you really want the turkey to rest for at least a half hour. Yeah, mm -hmm. for sure. If, you, if you're interested in keeping the moisture in the bird, you got to let the juices kind of settle in a little bit. They're trying to leave that environment, and they're going towards the surface, and you need to let them kind of recongregate back into the, into the bird. So that's, but that becomes great time for you to put something in the oven while it's resting. So Absolutely. to your point, yeah. You, you, yeah, you you use that time and you use that temperature to your advantage. We're hanging and you out. can always reheat it. You know, you can always just pop it back in the oven. Oh, yeah. Easy enough, right? Easy enough. As long as you've got the real estate in the oven to do it. We're hanging yeah. out with Chef Brian Kaywork. He is the instructor at the American Bounty Restaurant at the Culinary Institute of America here on Seasons. And we want to hear all about your Thanksgiving 
best dishes, questions, anything turkey or side-related, give us a call here. The number is 888-720-9677 or 888-720-WNPR. Chef, uh, one of the questions I think people come up with a lot when we talk about American food, they, they're not really sure what that is. Uh, you know, American food is the melting, you know, we're the melting pot of the world, so everything is our food. It mm-hmm. all kind of comes together. Yeah. But when you think of the term American food, especially teaching at American Bounty, what does that mean for you? Well, the way that we approach it now is to make sure that the food that uh, I'm teaching them and the interpretation of American food is relevant for their careers. So I, I can't be doing some, some stodgy old dishes that are relevant and really important for American cuisine, but you know, they don't suit the palates of today and the sensibilities of today. Yeah. You know, American cuisine, just like you said, is a melting pot. And these days, I won't say that anything goes, but there's a lot that's relevant. You know, you can have a lot of Middle Eastern spices are being introduced mm-hmm. to sure. American palate these days. This guy, Chris, um, whereas, you know, 20 years yeah. ago, not so much. Yeah, even the, like Marisol just said, the guy who was talking and, about miso on his turkey. That's great. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and, and really, so in, in our American, in our course for American cuisine, we do kind of try to touch on different regions just so the students get a chance to experience that. But we leave the door wide open, you know, so I'll have something like a carrot hummus that's not made with, with any beans. And it's plant forward, which is very much the sensibilities of a lot of a lot of people's minds these days in American cuisine. But it's kind of a, a an acknowledgement too that the the palate is increasing. So we could have carrot hummus on one side, and then I have you know a steak with a bordelaise sauce on the other side. Even though the bordelaise would be considered French, it's still become very American in how it was used. Excellent. And to your point, a lot of a lot of cultures are represented. Excellent. We've got Ivan calling here. And then from... you get and then you get fun stuff like po' boys, and you get tacos. <laughs> you get. I mean, it's just it's a it's. I feel lucky. I, I can pretty much absolutely uh, any anything goes in many ways. So it's great. Yeah. We've got Ivan calling here from Portland. Let's talk a little more frying turkey. Ivan, how are you? What you got for us? I'm very well, thank you. Uh, earlier, someone was talking about frying a turkey and how it's the best they've ever had. Yeah, that's me. Yeah. Yeah, I do all the cooking for my family, and that's categorically true. I fried turkeys three times, and I went right back to roasting. Oh, um, no. I, Ivan, you got to come to my house yeah, and taste my uh, turkey. Uh, <laughs> I've, I've probably had very similar. I've discovered something that works so much better, and I don't think I'll ever go back to anything else. All right, give us, give us your, uh, yeah, roast, your secret. All right, I take, uh, I, I get the bird, I put a little underneath between the skin and the uh, uh, the bird itself and then take an orange I, I quarter it I take a red onion I quarter it I take some Montreal steak seasoning I take some rosemary and thyme I match it all up in a bowl together put it in the cavity of the bird and I roast the bird upside down you will never have a bird that tastes better than that I love it I love a man with confidence in his hey, word. Hey, absolutely, <laughs> Ivan. That's a great tip. Great tip. Uh, I, I still love, I, love, love my uh, fried bird, though, I'm telling you. I think one thing we got to always remember here when it's Thanksgiving is that there's two parts of the meal, in my opinion, Chef mm. and Minasaw. We have, of course, the food part. 
But there's also a whole other fun part that goes along with it, Chef. It's the, it's the drinking part. Yes. It's the wine. It's the cocktails. It's the deliciousness that helps wash down that amazing meal. Joining us on the program right now, one of the best sommeliers in the entire state, one of the nicest individuals you'll ever meet, and one of the smartest wine individuals that I've ever met in my life, G. Patel, the wine slinger. G, good afternoon. How are you? I'm awesome, Plum. What an amazing intro. I appreciate it, pal. Hey, listen. Uh, say hello to Chef Brian Kayward from the Culinary Institute of America. Chef, how are you today? How are you doing? Nice to meet you. We've nice got- to meet you. Marisol, always good to hear your voice. Oh, well, hello, darling. Hey, we got a great roundtable happening now uh, when it comes to uh, uh, food and wine. So I, I think I want to kick this whole thing off by asking you, G, right up front, wine, cocktails, or beer, what are you doing on Thanksgiving? Mm. So I don't uh, I don't rule out any of the above. Um, so I'm 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 kind of like probably going to start off the day with a good beer, probably something very easy drinking, nothing heavy, maybe a a good old classic American lager of sorts, something that kind of just helps wake up the palate and get me going. Huh. What I heard you guys talking about what you're preparing. I heard a lot of back and forth between roasted bird and, and deep fried bird. <laughs> Being of Indian descent, putting an Turkey in the oven is not necessarily in, in, in our wheelhouse. That's not something that sits in our history. So we, we deep fry because that's pretty much yeah. what we're really good at. Uh, you know, most best Indian food is deep fried in some way, shape, or form. Mm. So we went with deep fried turkey about 15 years ago and have not looked back. So, you know, while I'm getting everything ready, like you said, doing the water displacement, a good old fashioned American lager to get things going, get me in the right direction is awesome, especially while I'm injecting the thing up and giving it the rub. And then somewhere around the time I start cooking it is when we start uh, popping corks. And for my house, it's definitely going to be a pretty big wine day from about, I would want to say, you know, one o'clock onwards to the rest of the evening. No accounting for when we stop, but uh, wine is definitely going to make up the majority of the day. Wow. There you go. I, th- listen, G paints a picture like mm-hmm. no one else. Doesn't he, Steph? Don't you want yeah, to go with Thompson? So. <laughs> yeah, and hang out with them. Uh, take... I think you got me all revved up, G. Let's, <laughs> yeah. let's, I'm ready for Thanksgiving now. <laughs> let's do it. I'll tell you where I live. That's what I'm talking about. You guys can give us a call here, too. We're going to have a great roundtable of questions here in just a few minutes with G and with Chef Brian. Our number is 888-720-9677 or 888-720-WNPR. We're going to take a quick break. Heather, I see you on hold. Michael, I see you on hold. We're going to get right to you guys and your questions here really, really shortly. Stay with us right here on Seasons. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Seasons. I'm Marisol Castro with Chef Plum. We are live. We are live, and we're about to have a great time with some wine and talking food and talking Thanksgiving turkeys, Marisol. Mm-hmm. I love I love Thanksgiving. It's such a fun... You know what it is? It's like a kickoff for the holidays, you know? 100%. My favorite holiday. I uh, think we have some callers. We do have callers here. Let's go to... Heather from Glastonbury. Heather, how are you? Welcome to Season. What you got for the show? Hi, thank you so much. I'm doing well. Um, I love listening to you guys and everything you've been talking about today. You're very kind. Um, I have a comment sort of question, uh, mainly for Chef Brian, but okay. any of the experts, please weigh in. A few years ago, I found a wonderful recipe for stuffing, and it was, I think, a base of a ciabatta bread, and then it was Gruyere cheese, leeks, and mushrooms. Now, i got to say, my family isn't really big on switching up what they typically do, but I made it anyway, and I fell in love with the stuffing. The problem is, I don't remember where I found the recipe. I don't have it anymore. <laughs> my <laughs> sister I, does I the same thing. It. 
Uh, I don't know what I've done, so I think I'm going to wing it. I don't know, but I was wondering if you've heard of anything similar, if you had any ideas. What sure. was it, leeks and what else? Ciabatta and leeks what? and gruyere. Chef, any, any tips for Heather there on making a stuffing using cheese and leeks and whatnot? First off, that sounds excellent. <laughs> I think that sounds like a really great combination. In terms of quantities, it's going to be difficult to just transcribe that right now, but I would say this. You would want to pre-saute everything first. So that would be the leeks, the mushrooms, put a little bit of herbs in there. Don't put the cheese in there. And deglaze with a little bit of wine. And when I say deglaze, you're just putting it in a hot pan and let it cook down until it's kind of gone. Absolutely. You know, I would, you would probably, chef, I would your... suggest taking like some uh, really toasted baguette on the bottom. Get something super toasted on the bottom to help absorb that moisture. That's I, th- I think would be a great way to keep it from getting so... Uh, yeah, that's a good, that's a great, yeah. So leaky. Let's I would go. just say that the key is for the bread to be a little stale. If it's too fresh, it will turn soggy. And so even if, so if you do buy fresh, you can cut it into, into pieces and toast it lightly and let it dry. Or you buy it ahead of time and cut it and then just let it kind of dry. That will make the, a big difference. And Man. so you would add your aromatic ingredients and then you would have some stock or broth on hand and some eggs. I will try to give you some measurements. So if you had if you had about three cups of dried ciabatta, I would have about one cup or maybe three quarters of a cup of that, that sautéed aromatics. I would add some fresh herbs. I would add maybe about a quarter cup of that gruyere you were speaking of. And I would probably do about three or four eggs. And I would add enough stock that it would, with the eggs, that the mixture was pretty soggy yeah. and let it absorb for about a half hour. And then you just still want to see that it has a pretty good degree of moisture in it because that will dry out a little bit. Absolutely. And then bake it at about 350 for about 45 minutes uncovered so it gets a little crusty. If you see that it's getting dark a little too fast, you can mm-hmm. always cover it afterwards. And hopefully the finished product is, is very soft on the inside, delicious. but it has a nice crust. Yeah, that sounds fantastic. Now, I, I know we're both staring at these cups of wine, and we want to get in there with G, but i got to get this one more call in here. Uh, Michael from Norwich is calling, talking rest in time. Michael, welcome to the season. Thanks for joining us. What do you got for us? Well, good afternoon. Um, I would like to ask a question about the resting time. Sure. Mm-hmm. I will be roasting my turkey in a covered roaster, and generally what I do is I take the cover off for the last half hour or so of cooking. Uh, now... I'll take that out of the oven when I determine it's done. Should I let it rest with the cover on or with the cover off? Great question. Mm. Great question for sure there, Michael. Chef, what is is your opinion on that? I have one. I'm sure you have one, too. That's a tricky one. I mean, the benefits of using aluminum foil is at least it allows a little air in there and doesn't let it have too much condensation. Mm -hmm. You know, so in terms of how crispy the skin is or roasted the skin is, it does help. A full-blown lid on there may keep a little too much steam in there. Right, which makes that crispy So I would maybe let away. it cool a little bit to, you know, for about, I don't know, five to ten minutes right. and then put the lid on. Mm. That would be my instinct. There you go. Gee. What do you think, Plum? I, I think that's a great idea. I tend to leave mine uncovered when I'm resting it. But if you're going to cover it, I want some airflow to get in there so it doesn't get too much moisture and get rid of that crispy skin, in my personal opinion. Yeah, yeah. You, want, you want the wow factor yeah, of it absolutely. looking sleek yeah, and shiny and 
while it rests. Sometimes I put a tablecloth over it, then pull it off at the end and go. Well, it, it falls into that. It falls into that economics thing, you know. Like it depends right. how much time you need. That's right. Gee, we're sitting here with wines in front of us, man, and the phones are lit. So I'm trying to get the calls, but I want to get to these wines as well, brother. Uh, yeah, for sure. What do you want to start with so, here? Well, so I, I, you should have a, a trio on deck here, yeah. and you know, I know we're talking about Thanksgiving, obviously the, the last Thursday of the month, but. You know, the third Thursday of the month is uh, is another major holiday in, in the wine world. It's actually called Nouveau Day. Oh. So you should have a bottle of Beaujolais Nouveau on deck with you right over there by George DeBeouf, none other than George DeBeouf, I should say. Um, so, yeah, this is this is kind of like, you know, the wine's, wine world's way of celebrating the harvest. And so this wine literally was on the vine uh, about two months ago, less than 60 days ago. So. Wow. They, they went from grapes to turning it into wine to getting it all over the world in less than 60 days. That's a pretty phenomenal feat. But of course, you know, comes in from the region of Beaujolais and it's not meant to be like this most exciting style of wine that, you know, is going to really wow you. It's meant to be just like a, a really cool, casual celebration of the harvest. And so if you pour yourself a glass of this, you get an idea of what the grape gamay in this really cool region is all about and of course for for this year you know you guys pour yourself a little glass yet yeah, yeah i'm tasting it right now i never was a fan of of beaujolais nouveau and gee i'm gonna tell you this is actually really tasty yeah, I, it's juicy yeah. it's fresh yeah i was just gonna say it's juicy but it's not super heavy right. so it's a nice place to start yeah I was... yeah this is like breakfast wine for me <laughs> <laughs> you know well you do said. this while you're while you while you're injecting the turkey and getting things ready for the day. So it'll be in, in, in all seriousness. <laughs> but this it, isn't supposed to be a serious wine. Yeah, it's kind of become that Thanksgiving tradition. Be... You know, it's almost like a lot of families have it traditionally. Like you said, it's that third no, that third Thursday of the month, uh, third Thursday of November. Sorry, where it's almost uh, like become tradition along with Thanksgiving, right? A hundred percent right. And so because the two kind of coincide or come very close together, this has been a big staple on many Americans tables, you know, for Thanksgiving holiday. But I almost look at this as like the, the gateway to what real Beaujolais is about. Some people look at it as like a detractor, like it's over the, you know, the past 50 years that this has been a hot topic, that it's detracted from the real wines of the region. I look at it as, as anything, it's, it's turned a spotlight into the region. And and a lot of people have said, well, you know, this one cheap, inexpensive kind of no frills wine that's supposed to be really super easy to drink and snappy. You know, what else is going on in this part of France? And, and lo and behold, you've got, you know, really awesome, really well-made wines that really kind of, in my opinion, over deliver for the money in, in what is the crew of Beaujolais. And that's kind of the second wine that we have here, Le Mejour. Yeah. Uh, so that. Beaujolais Nouveau comes in from, you know, the, the lesser vineyards of the area, as you would expect when you're making a less expensive wine. This stuff is about 12 bucks for the Nouveau. And then you've got these these 10 really cool, awesome villages or crews within uh, Beaujolais, uh, and one of which is called Moulin en Vente. And uh, <laughs> this wine here comes in from that village. Gee, before, you gotta, you, before because I, I, I feel like I'm prepping for a test here. <laughs> I, if I peel back that skull of yours with that luscious hair... I'm going to find a whole <laughs> bunch of stuff. But we actually have some callers on the line. Uh, yeah. So before we get to the next two wines. Let's, uh, let's, sure. jump, let's take a quick call from, uh, looks like Valentine's calling from Hartford. She talks about talking about chestnut stuffing. Good afternoon. Welcome to Season. What you got for us? Oh, well, my name is Valentine, like the holiday. Well, I, listen, I'll tell you what. Um, I, I, that's my fault, and I apologize. I, uh, that's right. I dropped my glasses. All the time. <laughs> Valentine's oh. a great holiday. I love it. 
See what I did there? <laughs> but it's not the one we're talking about. That's now. right. Uh, well, I have I have two traditions from my family. One of them is chestnut stuffing, and it's definitely stuffing, not dressing, as far as we're concerned. Oh. <laughs> and the and the recipe <laughs> is in the Joy of Cooking. If you want to make it, it's mostly chestnuts, and you take an extra. The day before, you roast the chestnuts, and then when they're cool, you peel them, which is a royal pain, and then you break them a up pain. and make add breadcrumbs and butter and a few other things. It's, and that's my heavenly stuffing. That sounds amazing. <clears throat> yeah, and it, it's chestnut. The chestnuts play the role of the of what would ordinarily be cornbread or bread or right. And the other one is pumpkin pudding which I found in an old cookbook my mother had, and it's like pumpkin pie that went to either heaven or a very high-class hotel. Ah, I like it. I like how it sounds. You add, uh, it has no crust, but you bake it in a caramelized mold like flan, and you add lots of seasonings, and then you serve it with heavy cream and kirsch. Well, that sounds delicious, Valentine. Thank you for calling. I love it. I want to look that up and find that recipe. And, guys, just so you know, all the wines that we're talking about are going to be on the website, ctpublic.org slash seasoned. There's going to be a great shot up there. You can see these wines. Gee, uh, we're talking about Boulavan, Moulanvan. How do I say that? Not Moulanavan. Moulanavan. Oh, boy. Moulanavan. Yes. Moulanavan. This is a gamay. And so this is this is like, you know, in my opinion, this is like one of the, the, the best real Beaujolais in the business because it's, you know, it's amongst the most powerful. So to kind of draw, you know, you know, contrast Beaujolais Nouveau, simple, easy drinking, not a lot oh, of structure, wow. kind of tangy fruit. Wow. But the yeah. Moulin Avant has got a lot more depth. The acidity is beautifully intense. There is a touch of tannin, not a lot. Um, at the same time, there's some some really good um, length on the finish and this nice minerality. And for me, you know, when you're talking about a meal that is as hearty as 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 complex as Thanksgiving is, you know, you want a wine that's going to be able to match wits with the sides, with the bird, with anything else that you might have going on. Whether you're doing, um, you know, whether you're loading your plate up with gravy or if uh, you know it's more of the cranberry sauce, or maybe you got both. This is a wine for me that. You know, you can pour off in mass, and, and everybody seems to, to take a bite out of their food and sip out of their glass, and everyone's smiling with the way it all works together. I mean, this stuff is delicious. It's so easy to drink. It's so I can see how it would match the food perfectly. And of course, you has have these wines all available in bottle stops across the state. But more importantly, you can see them if you want to see the labels uh, on the website ctpublic.org/seasoned. Uh, this is delicious, and this is the same grape that's in the Nouveau, right? Correct. Yep. So this is what, you know, the, the, the grape is capable of producing something like this Nouveau and then something a lot more serious like this uh, Le Mejour from Moulin Avant. Yeah, That's no, the producer, Le Mejour. It's unbelievable to me because they taste so vastly different. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Equally yep. delicious, but completely different. Uh, amazing. And, and I mean, so delicious. This is a great wine. I love this wine very much. Chef, I wish you were with us to taste wine. I know you're sitting here just hearing us, and I, I feel bad for you. <laughs> yeah, this, this is cruel. <laughs> this, this is a form of torture in some countries. Sorry. That's right. That's right. Uh, uh, G, you are killing it here with these, and you've got one more for us to check out, and it's one of my favorites, at least style. We're talking late harvest? Correct. Yeah. So, you know, in, in Hungary, uh, amazing European country with a rich legacy of wine, uh, not a lot of Americans really know about it. 
Uh, although this is one of the wines that I feel like is really garnering a lot of attention and bringing the country into the, the, the limelight, if you will. And that's a late harvest style of, you know, this isn't a full on dessert wine, but I, I would think that this is the best way to serve it on Thanksgiving is towards dessert. Uh, but it's a late harvest. So Hungary is famous for these really rich decadent styles of dessert wine. And so is this, this company here. The winery here is called Royal Tokai. Yeah, and uh, their wines are just that. I mean, they're like they're like, you know, royalty over there. Uh, but this is like their entry level. This is the first step down the, the logic of making a dessert wine. And so it's the grape ferment that's harvested just a little bit later. The residual sugar is at an opportunity to really kind of kick up in the wine because there's a lot left in the grape after the fermentation's oh, complete. Wow. But if you've poured yourself a glass, this is like this yeah. is like nectar from the gods. Oh, did you, did you taste know. this one yet, Marcel? This, sorry, this sorry, is the uh, the late harvest one, the one I was telling you about where the grapes freeze uh, and then they're pressed when they're because it leaves that residual sugar out there. Oh, wow. Yeah, right? Uh, hey, Chef, uh, Brian, I want to ask you, did you remember your first in, in wines class when the first time you tasted a late harvest wine? Do you remember that day? Yeah, I do. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. I mean, especially when you're when you're new into your journey with wines, uh, sometimes the sweeter wines resonate with you. Yeah. Uh, uh-huh. But the story with, with late harvest really is inspiring. It's great. It's amazing. These are all fantastic. And Tokai's and Tokai would be great with uh, pumpkin pie and and pies in general. So I think it's a great choice. They taste fantastic, exactly. G. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, that's the that's the way I would pair this up. I mean, you know, I think of Thanksgiving and like the medley of pies that everyone either seems to be making and or picking up at their local bakeries. Yeah. And, you know, there's no shortage of pie on Thanksgiving. And so you want to have a glass of something that's got some good sweetness, but at the same time, a little bit of tang to it, some good residual sugar, but also some acidity helps lift everything up. And this late harvest version of it, I mean, I think it just makes magic happen on the palate. Delicious. Let's go. We got time for one more call. We got one minute. We're up against it. Mary wants to talk about barbecue turkey from Naga Talk. Mary, how are you? Good. How are you? We are living the dream, having some wines, talking turkeys. Uh, what do you got for us? <laughs> well, my family's favorite is become the tradition, and we take a turkey, put the skin all over the top, the breast of the turkey. We put bay leaves and fresh rosemary, and we arrange it under the skin so it's in a pattern. And then we fill the cavity with lemon and herbs. We slather the whole thing with mayonnaise. Ah! And yeah, gosh. Outside. We put it into a brown paper bag and staple it shut and put it on the barbecue for indirect heat. So actually the turkey is steaming. It doesn't catch fire because steam can't ignite. So you have a safe environment. It cooks beautifully. And when you open that up, you have a beautiful mosaic from the herbs under the skin if you put that pattern in nicely. And it's the juiciest, most flavorful flavorful, moist bird that um, that we ever get. Oh, my God. Mary, I love you. Hmm. I love the mayo on the turkey. That is fantastic. Thank you really for that. Excited. Oh. But I'm going to mix it with miso this year because hey. sounds excited. I think the flavor will be amazing. Fantastic. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Mary. We appreciate it. G, you knocked it out of the park again, brother. We appreciate you so much with these wine tips. And Chef Brian... Uh, you're the man, man. I hope we can get you back on the show and talk some more with you at some point. This was a uh, very, very, uh, you know, enlightening for a lot of people. Minus all, it sure was. I thought it was great. Season is produced by Robin Doyan Aiken and Katie Tolarski. Thanks also to Carmen Baskoff who helped with the phones on today's show. I'm Chef Plum. We hope you'll join us next week. We'll be here. We'll be a brief reprieve from your family at Thanksgiving. I'm Marisol Castro. Have a great week and thanks for listening. Bye, guys. Thank you.